It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello, and welcome to Divas That Care. My name is Melissa Smith. Here on the Divas That Care Network, I get to interview women that inspire me and share their stories with you. Today, I'll be chatting with Becky Bribery. She is co-founder of an organization called Next Step Ministries that assists women in exiting sexual exploitation and human trafficking and helping them get back on their feet. So welcome, Becky. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. Thanks, Melissa. I'm excited to be here. It's really great to have you. All right, Becky, I have a couple of questions here for you. Um, How long have you been involved with Next Step Ministries? So Next Step Ministries was started by Phil and Jackie Reimer in early 2010, and I joined shortly after. And so the past 10 years, we've been doing all sorts of fun things together. That's awesome. So how exactly did you get involved with Next Step Ministries? I I guess you knew them beforehand, but um, what made you get involved with them? So I, I'll just do the long story or the short one. Uh, I was, um, I used to be a nurse, and so I loved my job. I was married to the man of my dreams. I had these two amazing little kiddos, and yet I knew I wanted to do more. And so through actually my relationship with Phil and Jackie, who were pastors at a church I was attending, started volunteering with another organization. And um, this organization worked directly with women who were exiting exploitation, and they did a great job. But there was just never enough resources. So there was never enough beds. There was always a waiting list. And each time the women would come in, um, there was just seemed to be a little less of them. You know, they kept their identity just was seeping away. Uh, due to the abuse and the addiction and, you know, just the terrible traumatic lifestyle that some of them had been living. And so through that, I was actually um, in close contact with Phil and Jackie, and they had already been kind of wondering what more could they do. And so we had lots of conversation and prayed about it, and we decided to start our own place. (laughs) And so that was kind of the beginnings of Sparrow House. that was our first house, and we opened it over seven years ago now. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how I started getting involved. But it really did start from volunteering and just wanting to do something. And looking what I had at the time was I did have time. I was off on mat leave with my youngest son, and I just wanted to build community with other women. And so that was kind of from humble beginnings, I guess. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you have uh, like an aha moment before um, before you got involved with Next Step Ministries that was just kind of like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> Funny you should ask that. Uh, yes, I did actually. I um, I'm a person of faith, and I remember, like I said, I had this amazing husband and kids and everything, a career I loved, and yet I still felt. Um, I don't know, unfulfilled or discontent, and I didn't know what was wrong. And so I remember gathering a few of my friends and just asking them to pray with me about what to do next. 
because I knew that there was more and I knew there was something I had to do. And so uh, one night when my, my oldest son was sleeping and he was about two at the time and I just remember praying and uh, I remember looking at my son and I just really felt, I felt God just say, look at him and how precious he is and he's safe and his tummy's full and he's got people who love him and he's not afraid. And that's what I want for my kids. And so I was like, well, what does that have to do with me? What's a pretty big deal? And, um, and I just really felt that my call was to be a breaker of cycles. And I didn't know what that meant at the time, but I finally had a measure of peace. And I started exploring what that could look like. And I said, that's when I started volunteering with Phil and Jackie and the women we got to serve. And what, what I see now looking back is that part of my role is to help women break the cycles of abuse and addiction and exploitation and trauma. So that was kind of my aha moment. Wow, that's thank you for sharing. I just I love hearing aha moments. I think that's just such an incredible <laughs> experience. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. And it um, wasn't so how, at the moment. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say at the moment it wasn't clear what that aha could be or even what it could look like. Um, I will say, ten years ago, I had no idea what my life would look like at this moment but at the moment it was just taking one step at a time just kind of pursuing it slowly and exploring and being uh, really open and curious as to what was coming next for sure thank you for sharing that uh so have you had an experience uh with next step ministries that um has touched you deeply or that, that made a real impact on you since you've been working with them oh my goodness uh, you have 12 hours. <laughs> it's, it's, I will say that the women that I work with have taught me more than I'll ever know. I am deeply humbled that I get to walk alongside them as they fight through their healing journey, and I get to be a small part of that. Um, the women that I get to walk alongside are the most courageous and brave women you will ever meet. They're so resilient. And I will say that, uh, you know, there is a spectrum um, of women. There are, you know, empowered, self-proclaimed sex workers. There are women who have been exploited through um, human trafficking. There are women who have been exploited through financial or poverty means or through relationships. And yet each one that I've worked with has said um, that's not what they wanted to be when they grew up. And so it's... I will say that each one has impacted me so significantly in so many ways. To pick just one story, uh, it would be impossible, to be honest. Um, but some of the, the most beautiful things are when, when, pe- when I see the women that come in and they're, you know, they're afraid or they're, um, they're just burdened by this, this trauma that they're, they're bearing the weight of. And yet, you know, you fast forward six months, 10 months, a year, and they go on to, you know, register for school or they get their children back in their care or they sign a lease on their first apartment that they're paying for themselves. Just the joy that they experience is incredible. It's so palpable. Uh, The hope that they have and that they know that they have worth and value and that they can do this. Um, I've seen it happen so many times and it is, it's just incredible every time. That's really cool. 
honestly, the more I talk to you, the more I'm impressed with you. I just, it's, it's baffling. <laughs> um, all right. So um, what exactly is your role in the organization? So I know like the, like the general purpose of Next Step Ministries mm-hmm. is to help women out of sexual exploitation, but what exactly do you, do you do? What kind of programs um, <laughs> are you involved in? <laughs> Myself personally, uh, well, that changes depending on the week, it seems, because <laughs> we're pretty dynamic. So my, my role officially is director of initiatives, which means that I get to do a little bit of everything. Um, at Next Step, we have four programs. So we have outreach, which is really a harm reduction approach, and that's just literally meaning people where they're at, um, you know, giving them hope that there is, there is change possible and letting them know that they're loved no matter what. So outreach is, is primarily where my heart lands. And then we have our housing programs. So currently we have two uh, housing programs where women live in sober living together and in community with a, a live-in volunteer, which is an amazing high-capacity person that up until recently I've also been able to mentor that person in those roles. And then we have our day program. And so this is where the women come every morning uh, for classes, Monday through Friday, and they work on things such as boundaries and conflict management. We do equine therapy. We do so many amazing things in the classroom with women. And then our last program is follow care. And that's pretty much once you've been a part of our organization, you are. And so women can access supports at any time after they've left, whether they've been there for two hours or two years. So we're still there for them. Um, my current role, or sorry, I just, I just changed role. So primarily before I was in outreach and housing. Mm-hmm. And so I got to be the first line of contact for any women who were calling to access resources or help. And so I got to, you know, have coffee with them or really just build relationships. And that's, that's my joy is, you know, just seeing who they really are. And then, over the last six months, my role transitioned to more of a leadership role within the organization, and so we're we're working on a few projects. and And again, um, I can't really go into a lot of them right now, but one of the things that we're also working on is a social enterprise, where the women can get marketable job skills and build confidence, and so also give them diversity so they can explore things maybe they've never done before, and try their hand at something new. Um. Yeah, and just kind of see where that leads. So that's one of the fun things I get to oversee lately. <laughs> and then, um, again, trauma-informed care is something that's very, very close to my heart. And so I've been also part of a trauma-informed collective. And we're working to enact change even at a government level to bring trauma-informed care throughout our province and beyond. So those are some of the things that I get to be involved with on a daily basis. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. So it sounds like your job is quite demanding. How do you balance um, your work and home life? How does that work for you? Uh, precariously. <laughs> um, I have the most amazing husband in the world. And so we always joke that he's he's the lighthouse that keeps the, the shipwreck safe. <laughs> Really, I I have a beautiful community around me, and um, I I don't do it alone. 
you know, I lean very heavily on my faith to get through every day and hearing and seeing some of the things that I do on a daily basis is, it's hard. It's really hard. And I couldn't do that without God. So that's first and foremost in my life. And then also, like I said, my family, my community, um, I really lean heavily into community because we're, we're not designed to be alone and we need each other. You know, I have friends, you know, I have my school moms who call me and tell me when it's picture day as a reminder because they know my kids will show up with their hair not combed. And I have other friends in the community who just, you know, graciously will show up with coffee, which is my love language, on days where it's, where it's hard, you know. And so I will say I can't do this without the people I work with. They are absolutely incredible and inspire me. And so, yeah, balance is something that we work hard at achieving at all times and making sure you take time to tune into why you're doing it and not just blindly pushing forward and keeping that as a forethought into everything I do. Is this the best or is it just because I have to or what I feel is need to be done? For sure. So I guess going off of that, like, um, I guess, working with these women would be fulfilling at times, but also very emotionally draining. What are some things that like remind you why you're doing what you're doing? Oh, great question. Um, Tough one. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's great. It's a really good question. And I will say um, when I was volunteering years ago, there was a gal who, who was actually murdered one of the gals that I had gotten to know quite well and she was murdered and think the what if and the should have and the could have and it motivates me to keep going for her, for the other girls that we've lost along the way, the, the systems that we have in place here in Canada, while they are above average still need to be better. Um, when I see girls who have fallen through the cracks, um, who have been victims their whole lives in, you know, throughout, you know, some as young as being in systems since age four or younger, often younger, sometimes from infancy where they haven't had a chance. And then it's, I, I can't look away. I have to fight for them. Um, I have to make every effort I can to make sure there's justice in the systems, but also for each of these individuals. And not forget the faces and the the sentiments behind why I do it. Um, William Wilberforce is the the father of uh, abolition in the 18, 1700s. I can't even remember now. And he said, once you once you've seen it, you can't you can't say you didn't know. And so I know what goes on, and I can't not know, and I can't not do something about it. Right. Yeah, thank you. All right, so we're coming to the end of our interview. Is there um, ways that uh, some of our listeners could get involved with Next Step Ministries or even with um, other organizations that are helping uh, women out of sexual exploitation? What are some ways that they can get involved? Absolutely. And so I know you guys have a really broad reach over 30 countries, which is absolutely incredible. And I'm fairly certain that in each of those countries there are organizations like ours that are working to help women exit and to rebuild their lives. And I really think that everyone has has a job to do. 
Some of those things could be, you know, financially giving to organizations such as ours. Um, ours directly, we'd love that. Thank you. Um, but other organizations in your area, volunteering your time or your talents. And then I think a big thing is just looking around you and seeing where where people are at, looking at the person beside you, getting to know them, building community and encouraging one another. Often uh, there's, there's women sitting beside you that have experienced terrible things in their lives and have no, no other places to turn. And so getting to know people is so important, looking around you, keeping your children safe, um, doing a little bit of research online, looking for the signs of grooming, that's a whole other topic is of how young women and boys are exploited and get into this lifestyle of exploitation. Uh, again, just seeing the people beside you for who they are and accepting them, I think is a big deal. That's something that everybody can do. For sure. Thank you so much for joining me today, Becky. You really are an inspiring woman. and I'm so grateful that we've had the opportunity to share your story with our Divas That Care listeners. And for the listeners, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Um, this is just a reminder that you can find this and other interviews from other Diva hosts and myself on divasatcare.com, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and, of course, on divasthatcare.com, where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.